I'm just going to leave that as the intro, because that's just too good. (laughs) Come at me, Disney. Uh, (laughs) But not too hard. Yeah, I'm sure they just heard that, and they're telling me to take this down right now. That would be one of the scariest things in my life if like Disney lawyers came to us. Oh, God, no. We're going to fuck your shit up. They'd come in a Mickey mobile (laughs) just out at the door with ears on top. Uh, Big rubber flappy ears, so when it goes down the highway, it's like... Yeah, that's exactly what I expect. So hi, and welcome to After the Hype. I'm your host, Brian Dressel. With me, as always... Is Jonathan Hardesty. I'm never going to forget that imagery. <laughs> and Chewy Darso. Hi. Uh, special back this week from, I don't remember how long ago it's been since you've been on an episode. We have Sam Garrison back. Hello. Uh, we figured we couldn't do a battle episode without Sam, the reigning champ. I haven't uh, been a reigning champ for a hot minute. I, when I was going to. But I, thr- I have the best battle stats, I think. I think you beat me by one. But I am not fighting today, so that could be by two by the end of today. So who knows? Who knows well i do because i get to decide do i want sam to have that lead oh this i don't is know a conflict of interest. <laughs> you know what i'm not i don't have my judge hat on yet so i can still be biased at this uh, moment in time uh I and then see. special guest who came from so far away trying to break records we have mr matt dykes five thousand five hundred and sixty one miles i think it was <laughs> and i'm going home after this i, yeah. literally, I literally just came to record this podcast <laughs> Uh, if you have not been listening to uh, Venture Bros, you have not heard him before, but you've probably heard him mentioned because we like to mention his articles all the time. But we're very excited to have Matt on. Welcome. Thank you. Welcome. Yeah. Aw. Uh, yeah, that's probably the most polite intro I've given to any of our guests, with the exception of maybe Koi, because Koi, you know, had a little bit of clout. I was really nice to Koi. Well, his clout has gotten way higher. Yeah, since yeah. I... He's not coming back to us now. No. <laughs> he's, he's doing very well. He's so. hanging out with Jake Gyllenhaal. Yeah. That. And like every celebrity ever, every week. So It'd be great Coy. if we could get Jake Gyllenhaal on. Yeah, with Coy. Yeah. <laughs> eh, we don't need Coy. Can we do? We did we ever Coy. do Prince of Persia? Because I would love to do that with Jake. Be like, so Jake, when you're offered this role, what were you thinking, <laughs> guys? Guys, guys, this is perfect. Have him on as a judge for a Jake Gyllenhaal battle. Ah, that would be amazing. Shotty on Nightcrawler. <laughs> Damn it! Please. I guess I'll take Donnie Darko. Oh no! Please. I'm doing Prince of Persia. Suck a fuck. I'm doing Velvet Buzzsaw. Yes. There you go. Yeah. Do you hear that, Jake? You got to come on. Sticking with Donnie Darko. I'm gonna do great. You'll do better than Prince of Persia. I don't know. Chewie actually likes that movie, whereas I don't think I can defend Donnie Darko. But it's just a oh, it's a hot piece of. Mm-hmm. trash but and he's a hot piece of ass he it. is he is oh. he looks really good with a spray tan i will all admit he does look he's good. not arab there's no <laughs> arabs in that movie <laughs> uh i was gonna try to transition into speaking of but there's really nothing in that movie that i can transition into a quentin tarantino paddle so, <laughs> so of someone, poorly conceived spe- racial things oh there we go something yeah there there suck a- it jango <laughs> <laughs> Oh, <laughs> shots fired across the bow. Uh, no, actually, no, before we do that, let, let's do a where have you been doing. I was going to skip it because we have so much to battle, but you know, it, it feels right. It feels it feels proper. Uh, and we're going to let Matt go first because he hasn't been on and he hasn't said much yet. So, Matt, where have you been doing? Well, I was going to talk about Stranger Things, but somebody said I'm not allowed to. We don't know who that person is. <laughs> Moving ever so quickly along. <laughs> yeah, so... Um, when I was on the plane, I watched Aquaman. Yeah. And I really enjoyed it. Um, I, 
Yeah. That was a very or else good. (laughs) (laughs) I get mad at people when they be like, it was just bad. I'm like, there's a difference between bad and you just didn't enjoy it. Yeah, it was very comic booky, which is what I I enjoyed. It's like, you know, one of the first comic book films in a long time that's felt like a comic book. Oh, yeah. And and it's like so colorful. And even on like the shitty screen that I had, it was like, you know, there's like 5,000 fingerprints all over it. And like like the entire flight, I'm thinking, I wish I had my cleaning spray and a cloth. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so I watched Aquaman, really enjoyed it. When I get back, I'm going to get the 4K Blu-ray and watch Hell it on, a, yeah. on an actual 4K TV and be like, wow, this is even better. And when it he says better. permission to come aboard and you go, yes. <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, yes. Yes, you do have permission. <laughs> I will go next. And I will say that I read the most recent issue of Young Justice, which is written by Brian Michael Bendis, which who he has been okay at DC. I'm not quite on the train of Fuck Bendis, because I actually think Bendis is a pretty great writer. Uh, but his Superman's been decent, is the nicest way I'll put it. Uh, his Young Justice is the best book on shelves right now, especially after the most recent issue. That one and then the Super Sons finale, which tune in next week when I talk about that one. Um, but Young Justice, if you've been a fan of the show or a fan of the book ever, is back. And that's what they keep saying. And then it keeps failing. And it's just it's a very self-aware book. But it uses all the characters that I know and love from Young Justice and brings in two brand new characters. And they're both pretty good so far. They haven't really found their voice. It's uh, Ginny Hex, who is Jonah Hex's daughter, and Team Lantern, which I don't know where the hell she came from. And I, they haven't really dove into that too much yet. Um, but the most recent issue, which was Lost in the Multiverse, they get to see like Captain Carrot and they get to see... Uh, old school Superman, like the one with the gray hair, like they get to see power girl. So it's just kind of like this wonderful tour of all the old school DC characters that we haven't seen in a very long time while being very self-referential and like just funny and just well-written. So if you have not read young justice and if you've ever been a fan of DC books, that is the one to pick up right now. In my opinion. Cherry, what about you? Oh, I haven't done anything. <laughs> go to somebody else. All right. John, what about you? I'll go next. <laughs> As of the airing of this episode, I will finish Brooklyn Nine Nine or whatever's Ooh, on Hulu. Nine Nine. Nine Nine. <laughs> what a great show! <laughs> what a great show! That's it bad. really is. I'm my life is richer for having watched every episode of it. It's funny because when I first started watching it, Facebook started targeting ads to me for Brooklyn Nine Nine showing me clips, and slowly I've been they're, they're all the cold opens that they share with me on Facebook. Oh sure. And slowly but surely I've started to see all those in the context of their episodes, and it's just been great. Now there is no nothing that's advertised to me that I haven't seen already. Have you? Are you up to date in the the current season? Uh, it's uh, it's on Hulu. So if you're yeah, Hulu. six I think. Yeah, yeah. I think I've got like seven episodes left have as you, of recording this, but oh, I've finished it. You'll know what I'm talking about. Have you gotten to the Hitchcock and Scully opening yet? There was one a while back where they were. It was like an '80s thing. Yes, they, <laughs> yes. That's my favorite. That is the greatest oh. thing that, so that show has ever done. It was it was great. And one of the guys is from Titans on the DC yeah. Universe app, and he's great in that show. Yeah. I was I, very excited to see him. At first, I didn't realize what was going on, and then as they started talking, I'm like, that sounds a lot like uh, yeah. Hitchcock <laughs> and Scully. And Oh, it's so good. I love I love Brooklyn Nine-Nine. At work, I'm always sending GIFs of yeah. Brooklyn Nine-Nine stuff, like, you know, people saying, oh, this has not worked. And so it's like a GIF of Hulk just going, I'm devastated. <laughs> I'm the, just so happy it's finally gotten all the love that it's deserved the entire time it's been on. It only happened like two years ago. Yeah, no, so, the fan my, base came late, but yeah. they came. My favorite episode of it is um, the episode where uh, Peralta promises the person he's going to find the perp and Rose's <laughs> hair changes every single oh, scene. Oh, yeah, that was so good. <laughs> I thought that was great. That was right up my alley. 
Uh, Sam, what about you? Um, I was going to talk about X-Files, but I feel like I've talked all of your ears off about that in the last couple weeks that we've been hanging out. So instead, I'm going to say that I have been catching up on the second campaign for Critical Role. Nice. And it's delightful. Um, nowhere near as good as Demon Days, the actual play podcast. <laughs> well, 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 uh, of course well, well, hold on, hold like, on. Their, their monk is cool, but I'm cooler. No, I, <laughs> no it's, it's been an absolute delight, though. Like, what a what a great show, and I can't believe I hadn't kind of dove in before. And Also, I feel the same way about the X-Files. So, look, I did a twofer. There you go. Um, <laughs> when the uh, campaign started with two tiefling, and I saw how they played them, I was like, there needs to be a show that's just all tiefling. And Demon yeah. Days. Yeah. Sorry. And instead, Demon Days. There you go. Yeah. yeah. And instead, you've gotten a bunch of tiefling orgies. I'm, I'd say I'm sorry, but I'm not. I don't know. I think I've won both ways. <laughs> Chewie, did you have anything? Did you come around to it? I didn't talk about the time I tried to watch New Guy, right? You did not. No, please share that. My God. New Guy. So I sometimes I just want to watch a nice dumb movie from my youth. And when I was young, I did not see the movie New Guy. So a couple weeks ago, month ago, I don't remember. It feels like it feels forever. Like yesterday. Uh, I tried to watch the New Guy and woof. <laughs> how that movie, how that script, even in the 90s when the movie industry was like, you can, we can do, do no wrong. wrong. <laughs> Even in that time period, I was just like, how did this get made? Now, before you go any further, remember, I was its exact target audience when it came out. Mm. And when it came out, I'm like, this movie's funny. No. Eliza Dushku wears a handkerchief as a shirt. That was this just the style. <laughs> I actually saw a girl wearing a t-shirt over a handkerchief dress the other day at a thrift store. I'm like, oh, 90s, right there. <laughs> the opening sequence is just what boggled my mind. And then I was just like, where does this go from here? Because the whole just goes downhill. The catalyst of the movie <laughs> is that the guy wants to talk to a girl he likes. He gets a boner. Everyone starts making fun of him for it. I'm like, okay, high school, you know, awkward, terrible. And then... His boner is just like straight out there, like full on teepee. That's and why you it, go Jinko jeans. <laughs> yep. The like freaking librarian comes up, goes, ooh, what is that? Grabs a hold of his penis. The librarian, a faculty member, grabs a hold of this kid's penis. My concern is that she didn't know what it was. <laughs> And then she wanted to. And then he's is this a tried, Dewey Decimal System? He's trying to get away from her. And, and she's, she's just, just like, go. I'm going to send you to detention. And he just yanks aside and then it breaks his penis. And he's the one that gets in trouble. And I was just like, oh my God, what is this? You it sounds what? like every nightmare I've ever had. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm back to thinking it's funny. I was, <laughs> I was like, this has got to be a dream sequence. No, that's the catalyst of the movie. And it does not get better from there. All right, let's do this podcast thing. We're doing it. <laughs> yes, yes, we'll start doing I, the podcast now. <laughs> yeah. Oh, should I hit record? Yes. Uh, I did hit record. Okay, you gave me a minor panic attack. Uh, okay, so let's, uh, let's. Okay, so on the day that this comes out, if you want to race to a theater tonight, you could go see Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, or you could wait till tomorrow when I'll probably be seeing it. We have to work out a babysitter thing. We'll figure out when we're seeing it later. Yeah. Uh, so, so is this you inviting people to come see it with you then? Sure. I'm going to the theater. Figure out which one. You're welcome to join us. <laughs> to the theater. Uh, <laughs> I'm going to the theater to see a film. Uh, a moving picture. 
<laughs> I got to get this up or I'll do it the whole episode. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so if you have been a fan of Tarantino or not a fan of Tarantino, usually everyone is aware of him and you know this big movie is coming out. Uh, and I figured what better way to celebrate that than doing a Tarantino battle, which uh, is a little difficult because people are really hot and cold on him. And I know everyone around the table is not necessarily a very big fan of him. So I thought that would make for an even better battle. Uh, so here we are. I will judge the battle because I think just throwing a, a random, I'm probably the biggest Tarantino <coughs> fan at the table, right? There's nobody else. Uh, probably. Really, no yeah, one's I'm not going to say I'm bigger him. than anybody. <laughs> So I'm guessing, yeah. So that's kind of why I took myself out of it. Because I, I figured I had the most, like, and I want to see where you guys come from on it. Uh, so around the table, Sam, you have... Kill Bill Volume 1. Matt? Reservoir Dogs. John? Inglorious Bastards. Chewy? Django Unchained. The D is silent. The D is silent. Although one person does call him Django, and it's pretty great. Yeah. Uh, and then he says, the D is silent. <laughs> And then another thing, I don't remember what insult he gave him. I mean, that's the one thing I can say about every movie around the table. The dialogue is pretty damn good. Yeah. Um, I'm a fan of chronological. I always like going chronologically. So Reservoir Dogs, you are up. You got five minutes. Ready? Go! So it's Tarantino's first film, like, obviously. And it's just the, the opening sequence where they're in the bar, the, the cafe talking about, like, tipping and there's like, that argument. It's like... It's bait. It's pure Tarantino dialogue. Of like, there is no point to it. There's, there's no story. It's not moving the story forward. It's literally just chat, but it's very good chat, and it's it, you know making a point. And then when the story does start getting going, it's what's great about Reservoir Dogs. It's a heist film where you don't see the heist. It, it's yeah. It was like I think it was on like voted as like in the top ten heist films of all time, but you never even see the heist. I haven't seen inside the uh, the jewelry store ever. Yeah, you you, you know you're told that there's diamonds in it, but it's like all you see is just a bag, and you know, and and everyone dies, you know, everyone dies in it. Yeah, you know, it's it's just that crazy sort of thing. Like you watch that film, and you think, holy shit, this is. At the time, it was like revolution. Like everyone dies. There's just what seems like aimless chatter throughout, and for the most part, it's one location. If you ignore the opening sequence and the the two or three flashbacks, it's one static location. It's it's like a play. Yeah, and, it's one and, one location, and I think it takes place over like three hours, yeah. if that. And like you know, looking in the behind the scenes stuff of it, they had a paramedic on on set who was you know telling them the amount of blood loss that Mister Orange would be getting after so long, like so they could get it accurate, and it's. Yeah, and he Tim Roth. I just Tim Roth find that funny because he does not care about the accuracy of blood loss throughout the rest of his career. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Indeed not. Yeah, he's like, oh no, oh no, no. Yeah, it's, it's like the one film was like, yeah, this is really accurate. Then after it's like, nah, fuck it. <laughs> but like Tim Roth got stuck to the floor from the amount of fake blood when they were making it, and just yeah, it was like, it's that really sort of really low budget, really gritty, grimy, just fly by the seat of your pants filmmaking, which. Which is like it's lost in his later films because they become more, I don't know, like I can't think of the word, but like more of a spectacle than a story. Yeah, sure. And it's like I love that, like especially with like big filmmakers who who make it big. Their first films like being low budget things. Like it's one of the reasons I love the first Terminator film that much because you can tell that they had they were they had so little money and they had to work things out. And it's that sort of thing, like with with Reservoir Dogs, so little money. You've got to work things out. You've got to, you know, 
they could have shown the ear getting cut off, but the, the camera pulls away and you just hear it. And then, you know, that's, you know, you can kind of sort of see that it's, it's down to the fact that they couldn't afford to do a real, you know, prosthetic ear to get cut off and everything like that. So you just do the after effect of it. Or what happened to Mr. Blue? Yeah, exactly. They ran out of money. They couldn't shoot his death. <laughs> yeah. And Mr. Uh, is it Mr. Brown? Brown, well? yeah. Yeah, both of them, they just die off screen. Yeah. Well, I think Brown dies on screen, but it's kind of like he's in a car. And just kind of yeah, that's over. it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah but yeah, again, exactly. we only see the after effects of it. There's splatter yeah. Yeah. and then after effects. Yeah. Is... And it's like, you know, it's got Eddie Bunker in it. Yeah. And Eddie, Eddie Bunker, if nobody knows, he was a real life criminal who was in prison. Like Michael Mann's worked with him. He's worked on loads of films, like helping with accuracy of criminals. And, you know, he's quite an iconic guy. And he's got that, he's got an amazing voice as well. Who was oh, yeah. he in the movie? He was the one that you don't see die. Oh, Blue. Was, was it Mr. Blue? Yeah, Blue. Yeah. That's the, the, the one problem with the film is I lose track of the characters who is not orange, white, and pink. And blonde. blonde. Yeah. And blonde, yeah. So you really just forget brown and blue. Yeah. <laughs> and we figured it out. Yeah, and we got there. <laughs> <laughs> and I guarantee in five minutes I'll have forgotten again. <laughs> I always remember uh, Mr. Mr. Brown. Fuchsia? <laughs> <laughs> I just remember Brown because it's Tarantino. And he's like, so what am I, Mr. Shit? And I'm like, yeah, kind of. Yeah. <laughs> and, he's, and he's got that douchey little goatee oh, thing. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that little patch of hair where it looks like he just missed it while shaving. <laughs> Again, you're probably right. Yeah. <laughs> he was young. And, and it's got, what's his face? Oh, God, I can't remember his name. The, the guy who's like the main guy who hires them all. I can't remember the actor's Joe. name. Yeah, but I can't remember the actor's name. But he's got that really distinctive, iconic voice. Like, made an entire career on playing the bad guy. Yeah, and yeah. he's like, even in like, he's like for me, he's the, the star guy in the Simpsons episode as well, like, who catches bats and things. like that really gravelly voice. Like that, <laughs> that was a terrible impression. I cut, mean, cut that out. Uh, no, <laughs> I'll cut out anything that embarrasses me. You? Ah, sorry, buddy. I just didn't. There was no edit point. I'm sorry. It just didn't oh. work out. Someone God coughed over damn it. Damn it. <laughs> uh, so that's the end of that five minutes. What? Go ahead. What don't we like about it? Why does Matt not deserve to win? We don't see the fucking heist. <laughs> that's what's, that's what's great about it. It's that's what makes it. <laughs> That's what makes it different. You almost got a you. spit take. That was pretty close. And the entire movie, I'm just like, okay, I know you're criminals, which honestly, in my opinion of a criminal, you should have the good understanding of basic first aid. Laying a guy on a delivery ramp and going, you're going to be fine, dude. No, it's not, not going to be okay. That is not. It's some pressure on that, some ice packs to slow the bleeding. Just do something instead do think, of just laying well, it down. It is making put pressure on it himself, but then he just pass out. So. Dude, that is one of my biggest problems with any movie or TV show. Whenever the injured person is told to put pressure on it, I'm like, they're so preoccupied. They are trying to not die. Like They can't really concentrate. They're not going to have a good amount of like willpower. Okay, to be fair, the if you're trying to not die... Hold the wound. Yeah, but you're not really going to be able to like push into your own gut very well. The whole put pressure on it thing's a bit of a pain sometimes. Like if the bullet's still in there, putting pressure on it, no, that's not a good idea. Just anything. They did nothing. They said Joe's going to come and he's going to get you a doctor. Joe shows up with a gun. Can you at least 
give him that is the like, best doctor yeah <laughs> rinse off the wound or just anything but that's the thing like you know they're not doctors so like they could do but it, they're like, criminals they, they, like, they when you see in films learn. when they pull the knife out that's the worst thing you can do yeah. Yeah. leave it in I do have to call had into other it. marketable skills they wouldn't be criminal criminal but even so, if you were skilled in medical, like in medicine, you'd be a doctor, if not a criminal. If part of your occupation is you can't go to a hospital, you should know basic first aid. No, but that, that's what mob doctors are for. Yeah, well, you need, but you need to be able to oh, survive vets. till they get there. You know, it's but this is the '90s. So here, here's a, it's a uh, bit I'm of a, a sausage fest. B- before this, oh yeah, there's no way. <laughs> dick, 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 dick. Yeah, lots of. Dick. <laughs> If, did, did you, if there did you was watch, a woman did you in this movie, she would film? know basic first aid. <laughs> I don't remember seeing any dicks. <laughs> there were too many of them on the dance floor. <laughs> Even the waitress at the beginning of the movie, they just talk about her. They don't give her a face. Yeah. That is true. Here's my question, though. Or a tip. And this, <laughs> or a tip. They have to argue Jesus. that. Uh, well, so, they all tip apart from one. Not even just the tip. <laughs> Oh god! Well done. <laughs> uh, I'm on fire today. So the the number one thing that I've always heard about Reservoir Dogs, especially nowadays after all of his movies have come out, uh, is that it just doesn't work that well as a film anymore. And that it, if you have the opportunity, which I have, uh, to see it as a play, it just works fundamentally better as a play than a movie. Which I don't think you can say about any of the other movies on the t- on the table today. What would you say about that? Well, yeah, it's it's correct. It, it's <laughs> it would work. It works well as a play. As well, like that's my, that's the point. That's what yeah. that's what I mean. It's it's so different from the others because you can do it. It's one static set, but yeah. you sort of kind of forget that. And I only really thought about that when I was watching it this time around. I was thinking, this like seventy percent of this film takes place in that warehouse. That's true. And it's, it's technically a mortuary when you really pay attention that those standing things are actually caskets. And at one point, Mr. Blonde is standing on a hearse or sitting on a hearse that's yeah. inside. I never caught that. Yeah. I never, I never caught either. that either. Oh, huh. That's, that's kind of dope. Yeah. yeah. So that Not dope enough to be so better than the get, other movies. To get to the point <laughs> of even more how unhygienic that delivery ramp is, dead bodies have been on it. And they still are. Yeah. No, <laughs> I guess they will go down faster with all that blood lubricant. That's true. <laughs> Did anyone else feel that Michael Madsen was a bit miscast? That's always been my beef. The ear scene is great, but I always feel like he. I think I know he didn't he was... like the violence. You it's can like... kind of tell though he's very. He, there's nothing you want him to be a little bit more into it, a little bit more satisfied by it, because that's the fun of a Tarantino yeah. film that we've come to know and love. Is I'm... like there's sort of a revelry in the blood. I'm kind of the but opposite. Then, yeah. I found he was the best. Like that was the best casting for him for this movie, like for any of Tarantino's ones. I like him mm. the most in this one. Oh, I his, kill the his too detachment, every time, but... but that's in not the, the table, actions so. sure, yeah. actually make him more menacing to me. Yeah, and like the for me, it's just the whole like. I got into his character when I learned that he was the brother of John Travolta in Pulp Fiction. There's, I, but you don't know that in the movie. No, but it's just like now it just makes it tough for me to criticize that character at all because I'm like, oh no, he's part of Pulp Fiction in a way. Ah, I hate that extended universe bullshit. Yeah. <laughs> they both like to dance. <laughs> they do both like to dance. It was the first and, extended and they, universe. And they both like speaking through seven days. Oh, wait. No, just the one. <laughs> and the absurdity of that scene. I'm not going to give you more. <laughs> and that's that I'm not talking about the good things of this movie yeah stop that uh, I'm not giving you any more I'm not helping you at all so it was Reservoir Dogs and then it would be then it'd be you, right? yeah. Kill Bill yeah. Kill the Bill yeah. volume one volume one to yeah. be clear 
Yep. Because the fucking whole bloody affair is non-existent for some stupid fucking reason. I am pissed about it. Saw it in theaters once. I did too. It is the way to see that movie. It is the... Yep. I'll get into it. We'll get there. We'll get there. In five minutes. It is not, in fact, the way to see that movie. (laughs) The thing that I like about Kill Bill Volume 1, and I infinitely prefer it to 2, and I know you guys are going to bring up how it doesn't feel like a complete movie, but the fact is, it... It is. It takes the, the the this is a series of not just the bride. It is the series of what happens to all the deadly viper assassination squad. And these are the people that have been truly uh, victimized by Bill. And I think that there's a sense of forgiveness running through this movie. You know, like she gets an apology from both Vernita and from Oren in a way that is like reluctant. And, and there's a... They're such better actresses than like even the writing allows. And I think Tarantino's a very good writer, but this is such like high theatrical version of his dialogue, you know? And they just do so much with this sort of overblown dialogue to still really make it human. I think it's probably the most sincere and emotional of his movies because it's the only time he really shows any sense of empathy because Tarantino is nothing like The Bride. Like, yeah, it's caught up in the homage of all the uh, the different genre films, but at, at its core, there's a character rather than a concept, which I think is often what's missing in Tarantino films. Like, The Bride is a fleshed-out person, and these other deadly vipers, especially in this this film, they're, uh, they're a lot more fleshed out. They have, like, whole backstories in ways that you don't require an extended universe to understand. <laughs> um <laughs> <laughs> the the sequence explaining Oren, like ev- all the interplay between the bride and Oren, their stories, it's it's great. Like it's just really cool because they're both such victims of piggish men, and then Bill comes in and promises them some semblance of hope and completely screws both of them over, and and it just sucks because you realize like how cool they could have been together, and I think that there's some acknowledgement of that between the two of them in their fight sequence. It's great. All the fight sequences are great in this. Um, it's just a really beautiful film. And I would say after this, like Tarantino got a little up his own butt in history, you know, with his little like rewriting it and God complex. And blah, blah, blah. And I think, like I said, this is the first time, like this is probably the last of his like original, like pure Tarantino before he kind of bought into his own hype movies. Because even, even two, he started to kind of futz with it a little bit you know he wasn't just this cool indie filmmaker it was suddenly like i am god and i'm doing weird shit and baba for me and this just feels like such a pure maverick bit of filmmaking still with the high production budget with the cool wire foo with the great needle drop soundtrack and i don't know i just i really love it like even re-watching it again i just forgot how much i love all of these characters and how they feel very human despite being in this very comic booky world uh the thing I like about yours uh, is, is like, as much as I still think The Whole Bloody Affair is the way to watch the movie, I will say that if I have to watch one of the two, two does not feel like a complete movie without one, whereas I'd say one feels more <coughs> like a complete movie without two. Yeah, there's something deeply satisfying about yeah. the like. There's something deeply satisfying about this movie on its own. I didn't feel the need to pop in the second one right away with this. I felt good. I felt good for the bride. She had made some progress, and it felt like she'd done something for herself um yeah and i just think that's really cool i also think the murder scene like the little bits that they show you of her the massacre at the church are really phenomenal because you're able to get a pretty complete picture without having to see all the carnage which i i like because it is a very brutal setup 
Um, and I also, yeah, it just, yeah. Also, I love when L Driver is on the phone with Bill. <laughs> it's so great. She's going to kill the bride, and then she's I don't like, owe you shit. Yes, it's so great. It's so funny because she's so mad and like. Oh, it's just so funny. And and the creepy way he's like stroking the sword while he's on the phone with her. It's like, yeah, I know what this guy is. He's a scumbag. But this lady's a little bit more complicit in it than the others that we've seen. You know, like, like Elle's a little bit of a Serena Joy, if we're going to put this in <laughs> Handmaid's Tale terms, you know? She's, she's, a, she's a gender traitor. <coughs> you have but- 30 seconds <laughs> and you haven't mentioned Gogo yet, who is by far the best thing in the movie. I... You know what's really funny? I don't like Gogo feels like such a male fantasy that it actually pulled me out of the, the movie in a way because the rest of the characters all feel like fleshed out women. And I guess Gogo is only 17, so it works. She's just her character from Battle Royale. And like that's he just loves Battle Royale, so he just took her out of that and I, put her in this. And I know. Awesome. And it's like good for him for homaging <laughs> a movie, but that's like for me, that's not what I like about this movie, but I love that there's something for everyone in it. You know? <laughs> Let's say I'm the judge. You're gonna tell me my favorite thing is wrong. Good luck. I'm sorry. I have to live my truth. Yes, judge, you are so wrong with everything. No, I said I there's something for everyone. I won't hold it against you. Maybe uh, five minutes about why something is wrong about Kill Bill Volume One. It doesn't really have an ending. <laughs> Touche. Yeah, the first argument for both of these have been so good. If we're yeah. I always did really enjoy this movie, but I always got annoyed at certain things of, I don't really feel like the women feel bad of what they did to the bride. I think that they're just saying they're sorry because now they're getting their comeuppance. And yeah, they all moved on with their lives and one became a mom, one became a crime lord, one's just holding on to all of her spite. And it just kind of feels like a male fantasy of like, where did Charlie's Angels go? <laughs> like, the, what if like Charlie's Angels were just a little bit more hardcore <laughs> and had Uma Thurman? Uh, and then, see, the, I would watch that version of Charlie's Angels. The yellow, oh, so the yeah. yellow tracksuit is fun. She looks great in it. But then I was was always a little annoyed that like her awesomeness was always a little beholden to Bruce Lee. Then, uh, like, I mean, the just, homages yeah. in the movie is great, but. Being Isn't all of our awesomeness a little bit beholden to Bruce Lee, the definition of awesomeness. I, mean. I don't think that anything in my life is related to Bruce Lee. <laughs> That's a huge problem, unless, isn't it? Unless I have an aneurysm someday. I think the the big thing for me always with this one, because I like Volume One versus Volume Two a lot more, but it always like the, the both of these movies separated were always uneven in very specific ways, where you got a lot of the fun action and the humor in the first one, but then a lot of that like. Like a lot of the dialogue, a lot of the just the kind of the twisted darkness of Tarantino, like really dark. It kind of it's un- both of them by themselves kind of feel uneven. And even though like I like this one volume one more, I just yeah, I feel like I'm missing some of that more of that the rest of the good stuff in two. Well, it's interesting because this is kind of the kickoff of how his modern movie is done, where the first half is more lighthearted than the second half. And unfortunately, this one had to be broken into two movies because nobody in the right mind would release a four hour movie. So you don't get that effect of, say, like, uh, I'm trying to think of one, uh, like, say, Hateful Eight. Hateful Eight starts out in the very front half is always just kind of dialogue and lighthearted. And then the back half is <coughs> Murder Fest USA. Murder. So it's like this one kind of started has to dress that. up. <laughs> I didn't want to use any of the movies on the table for my examples. So. Right, right. Because <laughs> that would show unnecessary bias. Exactly. So I went for Hateful Eight, which is probably my least favorite out of all of this. But same, same, Judge. Same, same. Uh, <laughs> but you know what your favorite out of all of these is? Kill Bill Volume One. 
Well played. You know why? <laughs> go, go. You love go, go. It. It's always kind of annoyed me at the beginning of this movie that the whole thing that pulls her out of her coma is that she's about to be raped. Because it's actually a mosquito. And then the rape happens. <laughs> okay, either way, argument. either way, she's going to get penetrated, and that's when she wakes up. And so instead of being penetrated yeah. once, she's penetrated twice? Yeah. She doesn't get yeah. penetrated the second the time. Is, the, yeah. is, the whatever of it. The, it yeah, just, but she still I, gets penetrated the first time, which, you know, in and itself is bad. And you're yeah. assuming many times yeah. before this. They make it you pretty clear this, gonna... is, this has been going on a long time. Yeah, because, um, because it's like, you know, how else would he know... Yeah, but that's the you like, need that if for for this my. This is such a gross feeling to start the movie with. Oh yeah, I mean mm. it's great that she gets all of her comeuppance later, but oh, oh he he definitely gets his. Uh, I honestly think it's interesting though because it starts to point to what Bill did to her and to all these women. Like I I think it's just like the whole movie is about like a dude who's just like raping and manipulating women no it's about a dude it, yeah, making women do his dirty work it's just like in charlie's like rape, angels yeah it's, it's a, no, you, when mean, you get down to charlie it was like what the frick is that guy doing it's, <laughs> it's a rape revenge fantasy because even i mean even bill is using like sexual terms i mean uh, like he says he's being sadistic but it's actually him and his most masochistic yeah. and yeah i mean i think there is like it doesn't justify the fact that like she's getting raped but this is a rape revenge it, yeah fantasy, and it's so it, it, that's a, a good and it feeds tone. into uh the pettiness of women fighting each other especially with like l driver and she's the blonde that wasn't the favorite that beatrix what do you learn her name's beatrix in this movie no, no. Yeah, that's the second one i mean i, I like kid. realism as well in the films bride. and like res- like with reservoir dogs very realistic Kill Bill, not so much. Oh no! Like the, gets, the physics get shot movie. in the head, and with like I think he has a forty-four magnum as well. Her head would be gone. Yeah. The <laughs> way she flies that, up the staircase. Yeah, there's just it's just like for me, it's just too far into the fantastical. Whilst also trying to be like, yeah, it's really gritty and great, but it's like mm, you sort of lose that for me. And we're out of time. All right, so that would make <laughs> John next, right? <laughs> yep. Right? And glorious bastards. Right. Oh yeah, because you guys were like basically one than the other. Right. Make this glorious, John. I make it inglorious. In- you don't put up the U in it. Ah! <laughs> uh, no. So, I really like this movie first and foremost because of a sense of catharsis and the fact that it it speaks to today with the resurgence of Nazism and all that grossness. It was very cathartic first and foremost to watch this again, uh, but. There's a lot of other things I really liked about this movie versus any of the other ones is that it has a sense of kind of a fairy taleness, kind of latched onto a sense of history, which when it plays fast and loose with the historical elements, it just, it kind of feels heightened in a way. And I liked that it allowed for the comedy to be amped up as well. And it has this really kind of absurdist feel to it that I really latched onto. Um, and by far, out of any Tarantino movie, there's always conversations that are built, like, are supposed to be there to build tension. And the chief feature of this movie versus the other ones is that the conversations themselves weren't just exact, like weren't just mundane things, like oh, well, you get a hamburger, royale cheese, or whatever. It's they're leading to something. They're trying to get a handle on the war, kill the Fuhrer, you know, whatever they're trying to do. There's always some kind of leading guidance to the conversation. 
but the conversations go on and you're always cued in very early about the stakes of it. And I really liked, especially the scene with, um, in the basement bar, it was, I didn't realize how, I didn't remember how stressful it was watching it until I watched it again this time. And just knowing all the pieces in play and how they're like one mistake and that's it. And everyone's kind of, there's like, there's a tension there that I think is the best out of the movies that I've seen of his, where it's just this conversation, the, the, them hanging out, trying to get the information is just going on and on. And you know, shit's about to go down, especially when the Gestapo agent comes in and you're just like, this is getting worse. And if you're in a situation like that, you're like, what else couldn't go wrong? And everything else does go wrong. And you're just stressed. And I like that about this, especially with the other conversations. The first scene with Christoph Waltz, who is amazing in this movie, give like I think it's my favorite Tarantino performance across the board, just for its camp, its its cheesiness, but there's just something so deliciously vile about how he plays it that it's just like a snake. And I really like that element and it works with the setting but even that first scene that he's in with the the farmer and hiding like he's he's able to convince him right away to just out the people under under the floorboards and it's stressful because at first you know I, I didn't when i first saw it i didn't realize what was going on under underneath until they pan down and you're like oh shit this is a lot more than meets the eye and the camera work in here is doing a lot of work in telling the story as well and it makes sense that this is also a movie about filmmaking and the history of cinema which one of the things that I ended up really, really liking about this, and it st- spoke to me, is that through the power of cinema, we were able to defeat Hitler <laughs> and Nazism. It's like the power of storytelling in cinema is what defeats the evil in this story. And I thought, for as seemingly trite as that sounds, that there's something kind of cool about that, especially with it's literal as well as figurative in that. And there's so many other people. There's, um, I wish I remembered names very well, but the main uh, Shoshana, like, her arc is pretty cool and she's a projectionist and I, there's not many movies with projectionists in them as like one of the main characters. And I thought that was really cool. Um, movie, <laughs> it, 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 it is, it's really cool. And it's really leaning into your judge right there. Leaning. Damn. Um, Objection. <laughs> but also like, and, and you can't forget uh, Brad Pitt who I didn't realize how funny his accent was in this. And I thought it was such a great turn, especially the payoff. Bonjourno. <laughs> And uh, <laughs> I laughed my ass off and it was like midnight or whatever, but it was this, those performances were really great and really comedic. And I didn't realize how funny this was the first time. Cause I wasn't on the vibe of it compared to like previously having watching kill bill and kind of getting into that mode where it was like two separately themed things just to have it all kind of together in a cohesive unit as one movie. It was really, really cool. And uh, let's see what else have I missed. Mike Myers, Mike Myers. Are you project, to project, avoid Mike Myers? No, no, just just Project Kino is the the funniest like plan that goes so tits up. It is great, and and watching it this time around, seeing Michael Fassbender come in and it's like, oh, you're gonna screw up. Like it just the kind of playing with the, with the incompetence on both sides of the war was a really nice touch, and it helped play with the absurdity of it. Um, and the final scene caps it off with. You know, this might be my masterpiece. And that confidence, I think, I like in across the board. It's just a nice cap to the movie. You're out of time. I'm out of time. Uh, 
So I'll start off the taking down of this one just because. Uh, <laughs> Damn, son. Well, no, no, no. The the, the main reason is because like, this is the the one thing that's always stuck with me is like when I saw this movie, I was convinced just like that last line says when he says, "I think this is my masterpiece." I'm like, that is Quentin Tarantino talking to the audience because this is the best thing he's ever made. And every time I've gone back to it since, I'm like, no, there are a lot of fucking problems in this movie, and chiefly among them is the is the cast. I think the cast is phenomenal in everything they do, but. Uh, he was so determined to have an ensemble cast like he's done with Pulp Fiction, like he's done with Kill Bill and fucking everything, is that he? I think he spread himself too thin across the board on this one, and you never really feel attached to any one person, even though every person has a very compelling story and an engaging story. Because there's so many of them, we never actually attach to any of them. And that's what I want to hear you try to combat. Yeah, I do think that that tends to be a weaker element of the movie. Uh, but I think kind of going back into that more fairy tale heightened kind of fable-esque aspect of this playing fast and loose with history. It's, I think that's kind of the the point of it. It, it heightens but that still it and makes it more of characters. Yeah, it, it makes it more. Like he had a really cool title and then he built a movie around it. And his most interesting character was like Shoshana who is not a bastard, but and I, that's unfortunate. <laughs> Well, they, that's the thing is because it, it is a remake. Like it, it, there is another film this is based on that. It's all about the bastards. Right. And I, but I think that goes into more of what you know, I think he was trying to do more of a mythical element of storytelling with this because also the hubris of like pretending that you can defeat World War Two or you can end World War Two with the power of cinema. It's like that's not how that happened. We made a real unholy alliance <laughs> but, with the Russians and fucked us into this century. Yeah. But that's like, the thing is uh, And we're also forgetting that Eli Roth is an actor in this movie. I liked Donnie Baird well, Donowitz. I just he's I, got I, the I best he's got the best actor. edit line. I don't in this. like Eli Roth very much so just looking at him i'm like mm, you well, invented torture porn i think to the credit of the point brian made that the fact that everyone's spread so thin we don't get enough of like we don't get too much of eli ross character he's in there just enough to do what he needs to do and he's out you don't want him to talk too much because then you realize he's not an actor <laughs> i mean that's no one yeah of the things my, my issue with it is it's got an amazing opening scene like that scene in the in the the house is it's phenomenal and then it just everything after that's a bit like eh. it's kind of like the greatest short film I've ever seen. Yeah, attacked onto a two and a half. Yeah, hour it would it would literally be you if that you just had that with as the one bye bye thing. Man too, and you don't want to make that comparison. <laughs> but then I, Brian also. Oh, used, and I, I should clarify, it's not a remake. He just used the same title, and there's little similarities in between. Well, yeah, it's spelled different. Like, yeah. But every one of his movies is that's the big thing with Quentin Tarantino sure, yeah. is like, does he have an original movie like purely in his bones at all? And well, none of the movies at the table have that. Well, at least Kill Bill. She wants to kill Bill. <laughs> it's very straightforward. Like, I don't got to explain what a reservoir dog is. I don't got to explain what a ba- like an inglorious bastard and why it's spelled wrong is. <laughs> Django, I get it. Like that's fine. But yeah, but who, who is the better kill though, uh, Bill yeah, or yeah, Hitler? Yeah, but he didn't kill yeah. Bill enough. <laughs> okay, that was a good argument. But again, the <laughs> bastards didn't do it. It was Shoshana. This should have been Inglorious yeah. Shoshana. Oh, no. The bastard. Like, the bastards the bastards did do it. Do it. Oh, yeah. They yeah, shot the shit out of Hitler <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The other twice problem with and this movie is the entire time Brian and I were on our honeymoon, Brian used this movie to shame me. Yes, I did. Because he'd be like, every time you try to say bonjour, yeah, you that's say, what you say. I can't do it. He's like, you sound like Brad Pitt. I'm like, shut up. But counterpoint, you can't use his annoyances to like shame the argument here. Uh, he actually gets more joy out of that. So <laughs> I really do. It really helps me a lot more. <laughs> okay, fine. Then. As long as it helps me, cool. Otherwise, Every I call time someone's like, bonjour, and she go, bonjour. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, sorry. I can't, I can't be friends. Arrivederci. I can't do it. 
Yeah, get the guy in the cigar coat. <laughs> and like I said on our honeymoon, there's nothing to apologize for. It was constantly entertaining. Everyone knew we were American. Oh, yes. <laughs> if, 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 if it wasn't for my flag. Ninja Turtle hat. <laughs> 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 Bonjour. <laughs> I tried to sound very pleasant when I did it. Bonjourno. Bon. Cow. It's chow. <laughs> I never said cow. Bingo. <laughs> cow Bella. Uh, like, such a great scene, though. <laughs> it's like the the thing of him like making that mistake as well. It's kind of ripping off the Great Escape, which is like yeah. it's the uh, the whole thing of like good luck. Oh, thank you. Shit. <laughs> <laughs> but I think that's kind of like with like I think kind of what John said a little bit earlier is like that's or no, it's Chewie. Like that's he makes homages in all of his films. So that one's a little bit tough for me to take as an actual argument against any of them because you could all do that to each other. Yeah, you say homage, I say rip off. You know. Talk about Reservoir Dogs. Done. <laughs> Let's call the whole thing off. People said it's a direct lift of a movie. <laughs> I just keep thinking about Beauty and the Beast where they're like, bonjour, 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 bonjour. I, want the, I want the Brad Pitt version of that. Bonjour, 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 bonjour. bonjour, bonjour. There goes just the watch the live action one. Like, like I said, just watch the live action. The same you old scalps in which it. to sell. <laughs> Every crowd is just the same since the morning that you know, we she, came. When you really think about that song, <laughs> she's being super German bitchy town. to everyone she oh, grew yeah. up with. Bell sucks. Bell, bingo. Stop disrespecting everyone it's that loves bingo. you. <laughs> you guys are boring and I hate you. I'm better than all of you. I'm Bell. <laughs> you can't read, can you, chimp? <laughs> Whoa, <Jesus>. classist. <laughs> I want you to read the audiobook of that movie there, Brian. (laughs) You can't read, can you, chump? (laughs) (laughs) Now give me your bread. That's how all audiobooks should start. You can't read, can you? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that would uh, be like... I would feel so bad if I heard that. I'd be like, yes, I can't read right now. of learning to read. Ooh, good transition into Django Unchained, five minutes. Django, 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 Chains. Okay. Unchained. (laughs) Yes, my movie. Throwing into the theme of my battles is this is unchained. (laughs) There is unchaining literally in this movie multiple times. Hot. We start this movie (laughs) with an unchaining. Uh, (laughs) So, Django. Uh, That's negative one points to Gryffindor. With silent letters. So, so Django Unchained, guys, is a direct reference of an Italian movie called the Django series, which the original actor from that series is in this film during the Mendingo fight where they see that for the first time and he plays the Italian guy that loses. that brilliant moment where he says, the D sounds like, I know how it's spelled. Yeah, Uh, yeah, that's the guy that originally played the character. Uh, Franco Nero. So this movie is a lot more like aware that it is a remake, and I think it does a wonderful job being a remake while also being a complete revision. Again, a little bit revisioning in history, even though it does say it takes place two years before the Civil War. Uh, so shit could have happened, we just didn't know it. <laughs> this could be a true story. Oh. <laughs> uh, and before so, the Civil War got unchained. <laughs> so it follows Christoph Waltz, which... But yes, was inglorious, but he shines in this movie, like shines. Through and all that beard. Like he comes out with a little uh, cart with a little wobbly uh, <laughs> tooth on top, and it's so unassuming, and he's just so like, Yeah, I'm a dentist, but I want one of your your guys here. Uh, and you think he's totally like 
non-offensive and then it turns out that oh he's a bloody fucking killer <laughs> so he kills the guys he gets Django out makes a deal with Django and I'm like so can you uh, tell me who the Brittle Brothers are yeah I can alright cool I'm gonna help you get your wife after that cause I feel bad about all the slave shit and I wanna help you and we're gonna be best friends so the beginning of this movie is kind of a buddy <laughs> flick and it's like all like like they're getting to know each other. Django's getting his confidence. He gets to choose his own clothes. He helps him to learn how to read. It's great. Like it's a really like uplifting scenario for a little while there. And then you have to go to Candyland, which sounds really pretty and stuff, but Candyland sucks. <laughs> this is not a good Candyland. There's there's only one there's truth. No Queen Frosty. No, damn there's it. none. <laughs> There's Leonardo DiCaprio being about the worst person I think I've ever seen him play. Uh, and he just revels in his terribleness. And he does an amazing... Like, everyone's performances in this movie are top-notch. Like, I don't think I could give one... Except for Tarantino's Australian accent. Yeah, oh, okay. Well, go. that's different. Good day, but, mate. Dude, <laughs> Bonjour. We, we, we have the movie where we have lanky Tarantino, and then we have the movie where he got middle-aged. He's got a little bit of a gullet Tarantino. We can call Tarantino. Fat Tarantino. Fat Tarantino. <laughs> uh, so is this like Fat Russell Crowe? No, no. no fat, fat Russell Crowe Crow 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 looks better. <laughs> but um, not, not Roger Ailes, Fat Russell Crowe. No, but gross. even so... So this movie, I Still really, here for it. I feel <laughs> like all of the things that Quentin learned in the previous films that were discussed, he polished in this. He had his references, he had his direct scenes that were like from other films, but the lighting in it, the characterization, the choice of costumes, the completely over-the-top squibs were just fountains of blood coming out of people, like we're just like sacks of blood and there's no muscle or bone in us, and just... I adore it for all that. <clears throat> Lost my gusto for a little moment there. Okay. And I also like that it's not a straightforward narrative. It does meander a little bit. You think the movie's about to end, and then it goes into another thing. Because it's like these type of stories, when you really think about them, there's never a clear-cut happy ending. Because it's just that doesn't work in real life. So you get the thing where they get into Candyland. It doesn't go the way they want. He almost gets his balls cut off. Then he's sent into a cage where you think he's going to become a slave again. He's able to switch it around, get back control of the situation, and then go back to Candyland and fucking kill everyone and blow it up. It's still probably not a happy ending. Their lives probably won't be great afterwards. But they, at least they're together, him and Brunhilde. And it's just... Brunhilde. Brunhilde. <laughs> and I love the sequences throughout the movie where he's just like seeing her as a vision where he's just like, I love my wife and my entire essence is to get to my wife and get her free along with me and we're going to run off together. Like, it's like, truly, it feels like an epic mythical journey within that. And it's one of the reasons, again, why I love this movie. Because it is obscene and it is offensive and it is like totally out of this world. Like, it, and it's great. And you're out of time. How do you like that? You did... Got right up to the finish line. But five minutes to say why this one isn't as bad. I do not have an argument locked and loaded like I did for Inglorious in this one. So if anybody wants to start, go for it. It's just so long. (laughs) 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 It's just so long. And I guess it really gets into whether or not you're into it. Because if you're not as invested in what's happening, then yeah, I could, like, it might be a little bit like the ending of... Uh, I think the problem is, too, Django is such a, like... I don't know. Like, I get his motivation, 
but I never like buy it. And I don't know if that's like Jamie Foxx or the writing or the fact that he just doesn't have as much dialogue as someone who's like super talky, like Christoph Waltz or like Leonardo DiCaprio or even Samuel L. Jackson, who I think is great and like hugely underrated and wonderful in this. I think I think it's to the the colorful cast is to blame, like the fact no, that everyone but no, really. No, it's a direct thing of his character because he was a slave. He was always told to be quiet, so therefore he was always assessing situations. But, so it totally makes sense that he would always still be assessing the situation while the white people bicker. That doesn't, doesn't really track though, because then he becomes really sort of like quippy and whatnot. Because like, he's play- when he gets to the plantation, he's purposely playing a bastard, quippy, talkback guy to keep the white people kind of on edge. Well, like, I, I oh, mean, this is like, like really when, like what they would call an uppity black person. And be like, oh, yeah, but like, really when he sure kills that guy, it's like, I like the way you die, boy. And it's like, you know. Well, that's satisfaction because he whipped his wife. Yeah, but it's still like, he does, he's not downtrodden. Like what you're saying there is like, he's he's not, he's very quiet because he, cause he is downtrodden. But then it's like. No, that's not what de- being quiet is about. Like he, he used his being used to being kept quiet as a strong point. Because when you're quiet, you can blend in better, and then you can pick moments to be strong. If he were concerned about blending in, he wouldn't have picked such a fabulous outfit. Well, <laughs> that is a direct reference to an anti-slavery thing with no, the I, blue boy. I'm aware, but like, I feel like that's the thing. Django is almost too much of a blank slate as a character, and I think if there had been a little bit more internal life, and again, I, I personally would have just like picked a different actor. But I get it. Like Tarantino and Jamie Foxx are friends and you want to work with your friends. And he's also a guy who actually knows how to ride a horse really well. That's his he horse owns, in the movie. Yeah, he owns a horse he, farm. He's a sure, actual like, cowboy. Sure. But his, his runner-up was Will Smith and he's not a cowboy. I don't really... I mean, like, again, it'd be also fine if Django had to learn to ride a horse because he was a slave. You know, I don't think, like, being a good cowboy is a qualification for being a good actor. I mean, like, maybe if you're Viggo Mortensen, but, like, not anyone else. Yeah, one of the reasons, like, he was a good example. You do need to know first aid if you're going to be a criminal, though. (laughs) Yeah, totes. Like, that's what I mean. It's just, like, I don't... I don't care how good Django is at riding a horse because, like, I'd get it if he was, like, I'm kind of scared of horses because, like, you know... So his confidence puts you off? No, it's the fact that sometimes he's confident and sometimes he's meek and sometimes like he's just he isn't anything except in love with his wife. And I think like that's just kind of boring. Brunhilde is really cool. Like I kind of got her vibe because like Carrie Washington's a dope actress. You know, I just don't think Jamie Foxx was very strong. See, I, and I don't, don't think, think he carried the whole movie. A lot, a lot of the characters in these movies have singular motivations. Like in Kill Bill, she wants to kill Bill. Sure, that's but there's a lot of stuff going on on her face and she never kind of acts out so of you- character. Yeah, I I think you that Jamie Foxx isn't a very good actor. Is basically what I'm saying, no. and he shouldn't have been the lead in this movie. Okay, <laughs> but that's the thing so, is like he the film is called Django, and he's the least interesting character out of the yes. whole film. And I it's see, like, I still disagree. Like I think he's great. Well, I love watching his. I think he's very good at being expressive without having actor face. I think he's very good at putting it out there while you were engaged with his like. His line of sight and just I the was little never engaged. With- <laughs> <laughs> I was always looking at that big old tooth. It was just like <laughs> when he was like in the quippiness. Like it was almost like he was overacting though. Well, in those sequences when he's supposed to be really quippy, he's trying to be the worst version of himself. So yeah, he's gonna seem a little weird. I don't like Jimmy Fox either. Okay. <laughs> so I think I think it's all like Jimmy Fox. I think yeah. it's definitely like the weakest lead in any of the movies at the table. Mm. Cuz I would go to bat for like Shoshana slash Brad Pitt in Inglorious Bastards and it doesn't even really have a main character cuz he couldn't decide. 
I mean, Harvey Keitel. Yeah, well, you're gonna be okay. I but don't like, know. he didn't Uma show his re- penis, and that's usually like the big Harvey Keitel moment. I don't not, need to see his penis ever again. Not in no, Reservoir Dogs. Is it like the big Harvey Keitel moment, and or a is lot it of like movies. the Harvey it's, Keitel moment that is relative? It's just kind of a sad, droopy Harvey Keitel yeah, moment. Yeah, see, that's what I mean. Yeah, well, he ended up being a sad, droopy man at that's the end true. of that movie. That's true. That's <laughs> true. All right, that is it for time. So I'm at a bit of a uh, bit of a problem here because I, I honestly. <clears throat> I feel like the most complaints were towards Django because I think you did the best job of defending your movie. When it actually came to having complaints, you did the best job batting down those complaints. Whereas with, say, Inglorious Bastards, I think your defense of the movie was fantastic in your first five minutes. But your second five minutes, you didn't really have a lot to say at a lot of the other things. You just kind of repeated your points from the first five minutes. Okay. But the first five minutes were great, so I don't know. Whereas... The other two movies, they're a little bit tougher because I don't think it was... Uh, Sam, I don't think that was your best argument, but you did a good job. And Matt, you usually do better. I just, I mean, every other time we've had you on, you've done such a great job. And then this time... All 12 times. Well, yeah. you never had to actually look at your face. That's fair. Yeah. Uh, Why of us actually like Tarantino that much? No. Yeah! Uh, <laughs> that's why I didn't do a good job. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't say you did a bad job. I actually, I think both of you did well. I just don't think that there was enough because I don't think either one of you are that big of fans of the movie. I don't think your your, your defenses came fully up. I think uh, it was kind of like asking me to pick my favorite turd out of the bucket. So yeah, and I, I think uh, <laughs> I think you did a good job for your level of enjoyment. It for wasn't the movie. that bad for me, yeah. but I think I think Tarantino is a reprehensible man. Yeah. I won't be seeing Once Upon a Time in uh, Hollywood anywhere but a plane. I will see it opening day. <laughs> uh, but again, that's why I'm the judge. On this one, definitely not the uh, definitely not contested. Uh, so for me, it's between Inglorious and Django, and I'm really torn on this. Uh, I'm gonna give the edge to Django, just a little okay hair of an edge, and it's only because more people fought you, but you actually fought back more. I would fight back more if I had actually rewatched the movie. <laughs> I just didn't rewatch it. It's so. too damn long for you to even rewatch. No, you rewatched Django. You didn't watch uh, Inglorious. That's why I said you win. Uh-oh. Oh, you wait. just won. Oh, I thought you said you, you gave the edge to, to Inglorious. Oh, I meant, no, to Django. Oh, okay. Just, just a bit of an edge. Oh, okay. I'd say it, if I was willing to say tie, I'd say you two tied, but yeah. I'm not willing to do that. That explained why she was glaring at you. I was like, she just won and she glared. I know, you just won. Why are you so Sorry, mad at me I for winning? <laughs> that'll, sh- that'll teach you to make her win again. Yeah, how dare I? Uh, the fashion of my movies, all original. We didn't have to use any Nazis. No Hugo oh, Boss kill, here, guys. But killing all those Nazis. Oh, Chef's Kiss. Mwah. That's why like, I, I was so close. Okay. And I just, I yeah, this is go. one of the reasons I love my movies. I don't know. I was in a fashion. bad mood when I watched Inglorious Bastards, and seeing all those Nazis get it just really lifted the spirits. Yeah, but Hugo Boss is still around. Fair enough. Fair enough. All right, so that I is the end of today's. Nazis. That is the end of today's battle. Thank you all for playing. Thank we're going to do a quick round of plugs, and then we're going to say goodbye. Mm-hmm. So I will start off first. Be sure to tune in next week when we have Matt Dykes back yet again to talk about 
in his opinion, the greatest movie of all time. This is going to be weird because he's going to go back home and come back. Yeah, I know. Between it's, this. I don't know how you're going to do it, man. You're out of cost, your mind, It's man. costing me a fortune to play It's really not very green of you to use a jet fuel to come back to see us. Shh, no, we like having him on. It's fine. We don't need the planet. You can just be on the podcast. Well, to be fair, my trip on the, the plane is not going to damage it, really. Can, next time you come, can you please just row a boat to us? Oh, yeah, that'll work. Yeah. Yeah, or I'll hang start glide. now. Yeah. <laughs> I'll be able to walk across on the plastic land bridge soon. Yeah, perfect. All great ideas. <laughs> is that ideas. a plan? That would work. Accidentally. <laughs> no, the plastic islands in the Pacific. Oh, we're yeah. talking about trash. Yeah. Well, they could, well, they, they could take all that trash, melt it down, probably... and make a plastic bridge. There you go. Yeah. Or this just is... all the dead whales. See, that gorilla's well, they're, they're album the size getting too real. the bridge. It's getting too real. So be sure to tune in next week when we talk about Die Hard. And then be sure to tune in every Monday when we talk about Venture Brothers. I'll let everybody else do the rest of the plugs around the table. Oh, no. Friday's Damage Boost because Brock's not here to do that for himself. Uh, after Venture Brothers is... Oh, uh, yeah. After Brent... After Brent. Venture Brothers, every Tuesday, be sure to listen to Sam Wise, in which I, Sam, use the wisdom of the Lord of the Rings to answer all of your life questions. If you have a question, please dial or text 608-561-2755 or email sam.wise.ath at gmail.com. No question is too hard, too complicated, or too upsetting for the Lord of the Rings movies and their extended uh, special features to answer. I promise. And she's very good at it. I mean, one of the reasons I'm here is because of an answer to a question that I asked. Yeah. Was it? Should I travel more? Can, kinda. <laughs> hey, Sam, what can I can say I crash except your you're place? welcome? Oh, goodness. <laughs> you're welcome. This is, this is my Disney sing-along episode, you guys. I'm so upset right now. We do listen to that song a lot. This is a good song. Yeah. But I'll say it before and I've said it again. Fuck Disney. Uh, I, I had to whisper it just because I know they can hear us. Uh, yeah. If we have to work well, for them, well, we're going to have problems. I know. <laughs> I might bleep it. Uh, I probably won't. They'll buy us and be like, all right, that'll <laughs> teach you. I'll say it again. And I've said it before, I'll send it again. Fuck beep. <laughs> there you go. Yep. Fuck bummers. <laughs> Fuck bummers. That beep is for Beatrix yeah. Kiddo. <laughs> uh, John? Play. Uh, plug, plug, plugs? Yeah, I do an actual play podcast called Demon Days, which is a D&D tiefling game for now uh, for the first campaign and we're having a blast over there if you want to check it out a blast a finger blast <laughs> whoa <laughs> yeah we're gonna <laughs> we're starting to really hit the um, explicit tag not quite there yet but we're getting we're really pushing that envelope I'm pretty sure you're there yeah uh, that's that's it for podcast Matt, tiefling something to plug sex <laughs> we I'll we plug get... sex if you want yeah. oh god <laughs> You'll plug the concept of sex. Yeah. Yay. That's how we uh, all do, got here. Do bro. it. Uh, Just do it. Matt, things to plug. You got a couple of articles out, coming out? Yeah, I mean, uh, like yesterday, my, well, when we recorded this yesterday, my um, moon landing article came out, mm-hmm. which is about, you know, the, it's been 50 years since uh, we landed on the moon. We fucking did it. Anyone says that we didn't, <laughs> you're wrong. <laughs> Um, I don't know. Would you say they're the a angle knobhead? of those? They're a knobhead. Uh, <laughs> shadows don't really line up with the angle of the moon to the And the sun. footprint looks a little weird. And uh, mm. all the moon stuff aside, I do love the the insult knobhead with an American accent. It is so good. <laughs> Bonjour, no <laughs> knobhead. <laughs> yeah, you put too you put too much emphasis on the O part. It's like knobhead. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Matt kept making fun of me in the car for saying knobhead. <laughs> knobhead. It's like you, a knock on the door with really the knob. Really like our A's, okay? <laughs> Should hang out in Chicago. But it's an O. <laughs> I know. But, 
but sometimes it can be more. <laughs> Same thing. Noob head. <laughs> Anything else to plug, Matt? Um, well, we're doing Die Hard next week. The first article I wrote for ATH was on Die Hard. Go give that a read. There we go. That's, you know, tying this shit in, man. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, there's a lot of other articles that are coming out. There's one about the Garth Ennis run of The Punisher, which I think that might be the next one to go out. Maybe. Probably is now that you have said that. Is it Garth? You will have to let me know which yeah. one is, <laughs> is the next one. It needs to be Garth Ennis. Yeah. Garth. Garth. Garth uh, Oh, and I will say this because I, I forgot to say it with uh, Venture Brothers earlier. Be sure to listen to Venture Brothers now because Matt is now filling in for Graham until Graham gets done with his baby land. Yeah, the, the ironic thing with being I recorded an episode before I left and I'll be recording an episode after I get back home. We won't explain why. Yeah. <laughs> it's just frustrating. Dude, the power of technology. <laughs> yes. Yeah, uh, jet-lagged podcast recording. It's going to be great. Woo! It's going to be awesome. Yeah. So that'll be it for today. Thank you, everyone, so much for listening. Thank you, Matt, for flying all the way out here only to be on a podcast, not to see LA at all. Your arms, are too, your arms must be so tired. Oh, I know. Oh, you're yeah. Are you serious? I knew it. Oh, I knew no, it. no. Yes. Yeah, you know what? I'm behind it. That was funny. Ha ha ha! Bye. 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 Bye.